Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hello and welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple. This is the podcast where we take the complexity out of real estate investing so that you can take action today. I am your host, Anthony Vecino, joined, as always, by Dan, the man in the brown chair with the the leather chaps, Kruger. Leather chaps? One of those two things is true. Well, I think he's a, he had oh, yeah. three things. You're the man. Okay, man one of those three things chair, is real. true. Leather chaps. Have you ever worn leather chaps? I no, I'm not. <laughs> I was really hoping that that was going to lead to an intriguing story. Someday I aspire to. I don't even know where to acquire those. Actually, the leather you... the leather chap store. Oh yeah, do right. you have a leather smith? You know how you have like a tailor. Yeah, every man should have it. Should have a leather a leather smith. Okay, don't have one, but I'll get one. Yeah, the thing with the leather smith is you don't use them very frequently. You know, like maybe you have them make you a wallet, maybe a belt, or some a saddle. My grandpa had a, had a leather man. I could use a saddle. I when I was growing up, my my grandfather lived on a ranch. We had horses, and he bought me a horse. So that that's how you know I was born with a silver wow. spoon in my mouth. Wow. And <laughs> when he says he's like, "I bought you a horse," what he really meant was he bought himself a horse, mm. and then said, "Because I was a little boy, hey, I got you a horse." <laughs> um, but the coolest thing in my life was he he did get me a saddle, and I remember that being yeah. the coolest thing in the world. I was like, ah. Oh, but the, 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 the problem with a saddle is there's literally only one use case for a saddle when you're riding a horse. There's no other situation where you get to sit in the saddle at all. Well, I can think of one because Collins has gotten really into like riding on my back lately. Oh, so I so could maybe use, you're the pony. I could use a saddle right now. Oh, I know what I'm getting Coco for a birthday. Mm. Or maybe for you. I don't know. Who's, who's, who's It'll be for her. It's really okay. painful what she makes me do. Because I have to like slide. It's like not emotionally like painful or physically. Oh, you got to get your knee pads. Yeah, I don't, I don't, no, I don't crawl. We got this weird thing. So we got hardwood floors in her place and she likes uh, to slide around. So it started out with me kind of like pushing her around on her stomach on the floor and she'd slide around. It was a lot of fun. And then she's like, uh, Daddy, uh, and you cool. slide. Yeah. And so oh. then she gets on my back and then I have to like do these like weird kind of peck fly butterfly <laughs> motions, which is pretty difficult and exhausting. So you're so like the, from the never ending story, the that, that flying dragon guy thing that has like little tiny arms. That's me. And he's yeah. like flying through the air. It's on Liz's Instagram. <laughs> you guys could probably find it if you really want to. So. I'm going to find this. Okay. Let's talk real estate. So Dan, what would you do? If you inherited, let's, okay, let's assume that you don't have any of your real estate experience or skills or desire uh, to run a portfolio, mm-hmm. but your, your dad or your mom or somebody like bequeathed $10 million portfolio to you upon their death, their demise. What do you do now that you have this portfolio? What, what, are, you, what are your options? So I have no experience, mm-hmm. no knowledge, 
Do I have a desire to be in real estate? No, very zero desire. Okay. You're like, I, I will do this if I have to, but this is a headache. I don't want to deal with this. $10 million. Okay. So um, around here, that's what's probably, depending on the class, 70. probably 70 to 100 doors. Yeah. That's a lot of units. That's a lot of residents. I would do, now this isn't me. I'm like going to be the generic person who has no experience. I'm probably going to turn around and sell it. Because um, you're just getting out, huh? You're like, I'm done. You see dollar signs and you see the potential to do a bunch of work or just get some cash and, and, and make a run for it. That's what I think most people would end up doing. Um, me personally, what I would do, completely different. I'd be like ecstatic. Yeah, Thank you'd you. be psyched. Different yeah. conversations. Yeah, are. absolutely. Do you but think that... I don't think that's the right thing necessarily, but I think that's what most people who don't have experience would do just because it looks like a whole bunch of work that just got put on your plate. Mm -hmm. so. so one of the cool things, I guess, when you're inheriting that $10 million portfolio is the, the tax basis resets. So you don't really, right? another incentive to sell. Yeah. So you don't even need to worry about 1031 necessarily. Like you, you're going to, and I don't think the average person who knows nothing about real estate would even know what the hell that means. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, it, but they're listening to this podcast yeah. right now because right. they saw somebody like uh, somebody, um, their dad just died and they just got a $10 million portfolio mm -hmm. and they, they wrote on Facebook, what should I do? And somebody shared with them this podcast episode. Mm. So now we have to explain to oh, them, like, okay. what's the tax implications, the 1031? Yeah. Maybe you still want to take this money. One of the questions that you're going to have to solve is the fact that you're going to walk away with probably a pretty big payday. Mm -hmm. And then you, got, you don't want that money just sitting in the bank. You probably want to do something with it. So redeploying that much capital could be kind of a pain in the butt. Can well, be almost a full-time job. The first question I'd have to ask, to, like if, if somebody had posted that and said, I just got this, this portfolio, what do I do? My first question would be, is there proper management in place? Is it uh, a passive thing for you where there's operations in place and uh, you're just getting cash flow dispersed to you, but you don't have really any responsibility other than managing any debt or whatever? Mm -hmm. um, if there is some sort of operation in place that makes it so that you don't have to do much as an owner, I'd say keep it. Let it ride. Let it ride. Get the cash flow. Use it as an asset. You can extract equity through a refi at some point if you want to do that. Just keep it going. Um, but if it's not, if it's like someone has to plug themselves in and be the owner-operator, then I'd say most people probably aren't qualified and they need to try to solve for that. Yeah, here's a question that I actually don't really know the answer to because it's never come up for me because I've never died and nobody in my family has ever died and tried to bequeath me nothing. So the capital gains tax does reset. So like, let's assume that I think we're not CPAs. Well, it, it, yeah, but that's my question is like it resets, but surely there's still some taxes. It's not just like well, it just resets to the current amount. I think it all depends on how it, it made its way to that person. Was mm -hmm. it in a trust? Was it just an asset that went from one name to another? I think there's a lot of variables there that we don't know in this uh, hypothetical situation that would determine the exact tax implications because there may not be... Uh, you know, a, 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 a tax result, the, the basis might reset, but there may be some other kind of state tax, there exactly. may be other, some yeah. other sort of a gift tax. I don't, I don't know. There might be something else. I'm not a CPA, but uh, unless you take the time to actually set this up properly, and I was actually just talking to uh, somebody about this uh, on my, uh, for, for myself personally today, unless you take the time to actually structure all your things properly, especially in Minnesota, because we are not in a very good state with respect to um, estate tax laws. It's not a favorable spot. <laughs> this once is not you, where you want to die. Yeah, once you, 
there's a lot of things like how much is being transferred and you know if, if you're high enough dollar amount even if that basis resets there's probably still going to be some some tax stuff you have to worry about yeah so this is this is one of the questions i would want to get to the bottom of if if you're listening to this and you're in the situation and you're like what do i do with all this talk to your cpa and try and figure out like maybe the 1031 could actually help in some ways i don't i don't have a full answer on this because we're not tax advisors and we've never had to deal with it but if there are tax implications from a capital gains perspective, then one of the things that you definitely would want to consider, assuming it's not super passive, like if the, if the management team isn't in place and it's just, you know, operating and you're like, this is kind of a lot of work. My dad, my, my mom were doing all the shoveling and the raking mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I don't want yep. to deal with that. Then you might look into doing a 1031 into like a tick. I mean, this is a situation that we do a lot of actually in the last year and a half, two years. We've probably done six of these. At least. So, yeah. so the, the, the basis of this is, you know, you sell your property, you 1031 it, which is just a fancy way of saying you're deferring the taxes and you roll that into a new asset then that we then operate um, as partners or not as partners, but as co-owners with, mm-hmm. uh, with you. And so that can be a way of, you know, taking that kit and caboodle, not paying the taxes on it, delaying it, and then also not really having to deal with like this big windfall of cash in the bank that you then have to redistribute and allocate. Yeah. And there's other more passive forms of real estate as well. You're not yeah. going to get nearly the, the kind of yield, but uh, you could 1031 it into a, uh, a triple net lease property, like a Walgreens, CVS, like that. You'd have to learn about that and, and uh, learn that landscape. But that theoretically is a much more passive asset class. But instead mm-hmm. of making 10 to 15%, you're going to be making four to 6%. Yeah. This, another option there too, is the, the DST or the Delaware statutory trust. Yeah. I mean, that's usually like a good, like last option because that's if you're old and yeah. you don't plan on touching that capital ever, you don't need it for some reason. You just want like a 3% guaranteed coupon. Um, that's yeah. not, but there's much. a lot of people that, um, there's a lot of reasons why it, it shouldn't be at the top of your list just because the, um, uh, the yield's so low and you don't really have much control. It's, not liquid, somewhat. It's more like a REIT. It's not really transparent from what I've heard from a lot of people, but um, it's a good backup option, right? Yeah. The DST, I think, is a good option if you you're, you have a big tax implication that you want to solve for and you're not able to find a 1031 uh, or tick arrangement. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, again, if you're getting up there in years and you just want a nice solid coupon, you don't, you don't need big returns and you don't need it liquid because you don't plan on touching it. Um, that might yeah. be a good option. But. So if this happens to you, call us. We will us help you figure out what to do. Yeah, we'll um, connect you with some CPAs that we know that might be able to give give some advice that we surely can't. But yeah, hope. I mean, hey, listen. I'm sorry that your your loved one died. That sucks. But you know, when when my loved one died, I got nothing. Full transparency. I've never had a loved one die. So is that because you don't love anybody? Or <laughs> <laughs> dang. Outed. Okay. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> I've All never right. loved. I've never loved. Um, that's how they get you. That's how they hurt you. First, they, they make you love them. And that's why you just don't love people. Then you can't get hurt. Exactly. Just emotionally, exactly. put yourself in a little cocoon. Just can't be hurt. Yep, exactly. I, I go through my life like uh, the way that I look at my investments, cold and heartless. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is that how you look at them? Yes. I look at them with loving eyes. And Don't love your investments. That's the wrong. I'm very emotionally attached. Oh, my God. Okay, yep. we've got to go. This All is right. too much. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for being here, everybody. Uh, this is a weird episode, but we love to See you in the next one.
Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.